Good morning, Outlook family. It's good to see everyone this morning. Whether you're with us in the room or you're with us online, it really is just good to be together. I'm uh, looking forward to jumping into God's Word here and continuing our series, Our Real Christmas Stories. But before we do, it just feels appropriate for us to pause as a church family and pray uh, for all those who've been touched by the uh, vicious tornadoes that have ripped through some neighboring states. And so if you've seen what I've seen, I'm sure you have, the devastation and the loss are just really beyond words. And there's certainly something to go to the Lord about in all of that. So if you would, join me in prayer before we jump into God's Word. Father, we thank you that we can come to you. We bring our concerns to you, that, that Lord, we, we can speak to you on behalf of others, even people we've never met, and say, God, be with them in a special way. And Lord, that's exactly what we do for the folks who are, who are really coming out from underneath or grieving loss or searching for loved ones as these tornadoes have ripped through. Lord, we don't take for granted the fact that we're under a roof right now worshiping you, and we're grateful. We thank you for that blessing. We don't take it lightly. We know not every congregation is right now through that, through that tornadoes, those tornadoes paths. And so we ask that you'd be with them. Um, and every home and every business that is suffering such devastation, God, we ask you to be with every person uh, as, they're, as they're going through that. By your Holy Spirit, give them peace and, and strength and perseverance. And Lord, for everyone who's helping, everyone who's, who's there to lend aid and, to, and, and give expertise and to help them in every way, God, we ask you to empower them uh, for the good work that they've put their hands to do. Uh, help us, show us uh, some ways this week that as we begin to learn more, uh, that we can be uh, a help as a church body and as individual Christians. Lord, we thank you that we can pray to you about these things. We ask you to be with those folks. And Lord, now as we open up your word, we ask that you would be with us. We're grateful that you are. Speak to us, teach us by your Holy Spirit. Uh, that's our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. The stories that we tell at Christmas time, and we tell and enjoy a lot of stories during this season. These stories say a lot about us as human beings, our highest dreams, our deepest needs. And in this series, we're rediscovering that all of these stories really, in the end, point to the greatest and truest Christmas story of all, the arrival of the one the whole world's looking for, the one who brings what we're all longing for. Grace and forgiveness, love and caring, hope and significance, and today, wonder and mystery is what we'll be spending our time talking about. Even people who don't yet know Jesus understand that there's a transcendence and a truth that we all long for. And at Christmas time, it just kind of seems to me our whole culture opens up about this. And it's much more transparent about that search and that longing for truth and transcendence. Life is meant to be special. We somehow know this. It's meant to be full of meaning. And you know what? If it can't be all year, at least we try hard to make it true at Christmas time. We work really, really hard at it. That's actually one of the main lessons of a popular Christmas movie. You'll remember this scene quite likely. Take a look. Good, good. Ah! Good, good. 
looks so lovely. You deserve a home like this to spend Christmas in. It's a butte clock. It's a butte. Dad, Dad, Dad. You taught me everything I know about exterior illumination. Thank you, thank you. Russ, Audrey. Dear, dear Francis. I hope this adds to your enjoyment of the holidays. Oh, it's just wonderful. Arthur. Art. Dad. Thanks for being here. The little lights are not twinkling. I know, Arden. Thanks for noticing. Hmm. The little lights aren't twinkling. There's always someone, right, who wants to point stuff like that out. See, what I think is happening here, what we're really witnessing here, is that we as human beings are hardwired to want to go wow. That we need something in our life that makes us go wow. And if anything can make us go wow, it's the story, the truth, the reality of Christmas. Even this scene hints at it as Handel's Messiah is ironically played in the background. That Clark is working so hard to create something transcendent for his family so that they can have the most special Christmas of all. He'll do whatever he can. What we've all learned as Christians is, though, that Clark can never do enough. Neither can I, and neither can you. Amen? That's something we're looking for, is beyond us and our effort. Something amazing happened at that first Christmas. It is intended to affect everything else. And it just seems like something in the culture knows that. Now, when I think about light, when I think about wonder, when I think about what, we, what we're all striving for, I can't help but remember my favorite characters in the Christmas story, the shepherds. I love these guys. They're kind of smelly. They're outcasts. They're just normal folks like you and me. Maybe you're not smelly, but... I want us to just focus on the scene as Luke tells it. So I'm just going to read this passage, let you kind of visualize it in your minds. Luke says, There were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. The shepherds' dark and quiet evening in a nearby field, nearby to Bethlehem, that is, was suddenly interrupted by the resounding sound and the brilliant light, first of one angel, then it says a great company of them, and that the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, it says. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. We could stop right there in our sermon this morning and honestly just meditate Let's just do this for a second on the fact that all of us, many of us, might have even brought into this moment right here as we're gathered together something to be terrified of. You're terrified uh, that your marriage could be ending. You're terrified about that diagnosis you're waiting on the doctor's phone call to come in about. You're terrified about a big job change, or you're terrified about a potential move, or you're terrified about what your kids are doing right now, right? Because it keeps you up at night. There's many things in this world that are worth our concern and our care, and they can move beyond that into fear, right? 
We've all been there, and maybe you're there right now. So if that's true, I just want you to pause for a second and hear those words these terrified shepherds heard from that angel. Do not be afraid. Because God knows that when all our concerns and anxieties move into fear, we are stopped cold. And we will not be able to do or experience, do, do the things God calls us to do, or experience the life God calls us to live, as long as we're stuck in that fear. Light has broken into the world. That's what they're about to tell him. I bring you good news, the angel says. Do not fear. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, the angel says. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I bring you good news. Someone say good news. Anyone, could, could anyone use some of that right about now? I bring you good news, he says, that will cause what? Great joy. For who? All the people. See, this right here, I guess, is what I'm trying to convey. I, I get this idea that all the people, all of us, human beings, man, we're hungry for some good news, and we could really use some great joy. It's true of all the people. And so we'll do whatever we can to, to get that, to find that, to experience that. And what the real, true first story of Christmas tells us is that it has arrived. Here's the really greatest story that you'll ever hear. The, the best news that can come to you. And it will cause the great joy that you're looking for. And it will be true, and can be true at least, for all the people. It's what everyone's looking for. That's what the angel is announcing. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory in the highest heaven, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They weren't afraid. They were eager and ready to do what the angel said. Now, this certainly was an amazing event. The veil has been pierced between the heavenly dimension and our own. A window was opened, and just as quickly as they arrived, it says, the angels left them and had gone into heaven. What must that have been like? The echo of the angel chorus still ringing in their ears, their pupils not yet adjusted to the dark after seeing such brilliant light, their skin feeling the sting of that chilly night air after the warmth of heaven had just shone on them. I wish I could have been there. There are a lot of scenes in the Bible I wish I could have been at, but man, this has got to be right up there near the top. And I think we all feel that way about different things in the scriptures when we encounter them. Why is that? Because I think we're human beings who are hungering for the transcendent. Because there's something there that makes us be, I wish I could experience what those shepherds experienced. I wish I could have been there too. But here's the reality. The reality is that the light is still with us. That Open, that open space between us and in the heavenly dimension has now been opened permanently by the good news of Jesus Christ. That wasn't a light that flashed once and then shut and now it's off again. In fact, that was just simply the throwing of the switch so that the light will be on for us and for anyone who wants to say yes 
to Jesus. That's the good news that causes great joy for all the people. That's the story of Christmas, that we now have this open opportunity to say yes to this Savior who has been born to us. Whoever decided that time should be divided into B.C. and A.D. or B.C.E. or whatever, man, that person made a good call. Because that night, the night Jesus came into this world, changed everything, redefined everything. The world would never be the same because light has broken in. And we long for light. Think about, think about this. I think about this every time, this time of year I'm driving around, right? We see homes, homes with, uh, with lights. Maybe not Clark Griswold uh, level, right? But we love to put lights on our houses or on our trees or both or you name it. Sometimes people put Christmas lights on their cars, right? You name it. We hang lights on everything because we can't stand the dreary darkness. There is something in us that wants to push back against it. Now, maybe it's just because I'm a preacher and I try to find meaning in everything. I don't know. But I really do feel as though there's a little parable being told to us all throughout this month as we see how everything is so lit up in people's yards and on their homes and in their trees and on and on. There's an intrigue to this brightness. Why are we doing this? Because something is happening if we'll see it. I'm reminded of what Jesus says in John 12. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. A little later he says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And see, that's the human condition. We know we're in the dark and we will do whatever we can to get out of it. We want to illuminate our space. We want to shed light. We want to get out. We want to see. But that light always falls short. It doesn't do what's necessary because it doesn't bring light to our hearts. That's what Jesus says. Stay in the dark. You don't know where you're going, but believe in the light, he says. So the light, even the lights of Christmas, Jesus is the light, but even the lights we hang, they're telling us something. Shouldn't be reduced to the commercial, but elevated to the cosmic. Not diluted to just some tradition that we hold, but really defined as an expression of something that's a transformation. That's what we're really looking for when we put lights on everything. Believe in the light while you have the light so you may become children of light. That verb there, believe, really becomes the essence of what we're talking about. If we're talking about wonder, we're talking about mystery, this idea of believing, this idea of being open to the wonder of it all is a recurring holiday theme, right? So many of our stories tell us that belief and believing are essential. Here's another scene from another movie, a kid's movie, that plays, uh, uh, plays that exact theme back to us. Take a look. My name is Jerry. I'm Buddy. Buddy 3000. And... This is Edison. I'm okay. I'm okay. Hi. Hi. Why didn't you work for my grandfather? 
I guess here's what I want us to see and even what's a fanciful, kind of fanciful um, children's movie. And that is that the world, of course, just wants us to generically believe, right? Let's not get into any details about what we're believing. Let's just believe. And we recognize how incomplete that is. What I want to highlight is that though the world still can't deny the fact that that is where all good things begin. You've got to start with being open to the fact that there is something to believe in. Now, of course, we are simply people who've discovered what is truly worth our belief, amen? We've discovered that, there's a, that your hunger to just believe was a God-given spark dropped in you, that you, this, this drive that you have or this openness or this sense of wonder that says, yes, there is something more and I want to believe that is the seed of something great, and it's really where my faith started, and, and the same with you. It starts with recognizing that we need to believe. So whether it's a toy robot or a person we love, we want to believe that new life can come to others and to ourselves, and we somehow know, even if we're a million miles from the gospel, we still somehow know as, as a culture and as human beings that believing is key to that thing we're yearning for. Now, we get to be people who then guide others and learn that, keep learning that for ourselves, what this real belief can lead to. And that, of course, is faith in Jesus. But there, this sense of wonder, this sense of mystery, our faith is formed on the understanding that there is deeper, richer, and more eternal reality than just what we see and hear from our human Perspective. I'm remembering something Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 1 of his letter to them. He talks about the church, and then he makes this pivot. He says, I have become its, the church's, servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. And then how does he describe the Word of God? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Friends, that's our Christmas gift. 
that God came to this earth as a human being and lived that perfect life and died on the cross and rose again for our redemption. This is the gospel. This is the message. But there's, it's a mystery that is now being disclosed. It is a gift we receive and unwrap and unwrap and spend our lives unwrapping this deep and wonderful mystery. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this. There's the word again, mystery. What is that mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The fact that Jesus not only came to this earth, earth, Merry Christmas to that, right? But now he lives in me. That's a mystery. That he lives in you. That's a mystery. That's a wonder that we then spend our lives trying to unpack and understand. The good news, as Paul says, is a mystery revealed and being revealed. And Christmas celebrates this, this idea of wonder and mystery. And in so many of our Christmas stories, there is a sense that there is more to this world than meets the eye. And we'll see it or begin to see it if we only believe how true that is. And more often than not, it's a little child who will lead them, quoting there from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. It's childlike faith and belief. Christmas stories love to celebrate this. And our Christmas stories emphasize this big time. And it's a clear place where the culture is simply echoing what Jesus has already taught us. I'm thinking first of Matthew 18. It says that the disciples come to Jesus and say, Rabbi, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He calls a little child to them, it says, and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, and this is, this is no small thing, unless you change and become like little children. Again, that's a recurring theme in our culture's stories, that we adults need to regain some childlike wonder, right? Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. We know what children are like in this regard. No one had to explain it then. No one needs to explain it now. Become like little children, accepting, embracing wonder, happily receiving love. Leave behind the childish, but don't lose the childlike. Again, this is a recurring theme in our stories, and there's one story in particular that really embraces this. So check out this montage from Elf. Oh, beautiful. <sighs> Looks like a Christmas tree. Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Santa here? I know him. I know him. I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world. Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. So, Dad... Plan out our whole day. 
First we'll make snow angels for two hours, and then we'll go ice skating, and then we'll eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough as fast as we can, and then, to finish, we'll snuggle. I've got to go to work, buddy. <laughs> the best way to spread Christmas cheer, he says, and I would venture to say any kind of cheer at any time, is singing loud for all to hear, right? The idea of that is great for us as Christians when you realize that we've spent our last 2,000 years getting together and singing, right? This is part of who we are and what we do. Thanks, but I don't sing, Jovi says. Well, we know that's not true in the movie, and it's not true for us, too. I'm no good singer, but I've definitely figured out how life-giving that can be. The, the idea that we should be embracing, not rejecting, the good things of God, the things He calls us to do, what life is all about, in all of its awe and wonder, that is a lesson worth remembering. And not so we don't end up becoming a bit like Jovi there. I'm just trying to get through. Childlike faith and excitement are a Christmas staple. And Buddy the Elf's childlike faith and excitement open the eyes and the hearts of those who are near him. And we see that in all kinds of holiday stories. In Mark chapter 10, the story of Jesus and the disciples goes on. And we see a scene that is actually just a little bit later than the scene I just read a minute ago. And in this scene, people are bringing little children to Jesus to place his hands on them, and the disciples rebuke them. More important things to do, they're thinking. Or like the manager at the department store, work is your new favorite, right? Very adult thing to say, not a very childlike thing to say. Work is your new favorite. That's kind of where the disciples were in this scene. But verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then he repeats what he had just said not that long ago. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. How often does this story play itself out in my own soul? I repress or silence the childlike faith in me. Maybe you do the same. And I wonder if Jesus is indignant. A light, a message, a wonder, a mystery has all broken into this world. These exist in the gospel. These are told in the original Christmas story. And they're celebrated by this whole world each Christmas in all the different and varied and ultimately unfulfilling stories that are told. So we make it our prayer, God give us and give this world the eyes to see and the faith to truly believe. See, I'm convinced that this right here is what we're all trying to recapture. This is what we're all aiming for, the sense of wow that we're all in this world hungering for. Exterior illumination, right? You taught me everything I know, he said to his dad, about exterior illumination. We will go to every source we can. We will try anything that gets fed to us to try to live a life that feels fairly exterior illuminated, right? We'll do whatever we can because we're hungry for that. But what we need is interior illumination, right? What we know we're hungry for, but what we cannot do on our own, no matter how hard we work, is the illumination of the heart that Jesus Christ provides. The Son of God became a human being so that we humans could become sons and daughters of God. That is a wonder and a mystery, if ever there was one, 
And it's one worth celebrating. And it's one worth sharing. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the wonder, the mystery, the, the wow of not only this season, not only this story, but ultimately of the life, God, that you give us. So help us, Lord, to hear these words that you said so long ago and that have been divinely captured, written down for us to put before us today. Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, give us that childlike faith that just has a, a sense of your goodness and, and an open acceptance of your love for us. That's who we want to be. And by your spirit, Lord, we know that you'll make us into just those people, your sons and daughters, and with faith in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.